The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. You want to start or you want me to start? By the way, ooh, spicy, salty. I'm not making believe that like, oh, we're best friends now. You're really good with these tangents. Who is Jared Allen? Not the football player, obviously. In the Twitter video, you flipped him off, right? I was just pointing to the cars below me. Poor guys over there having to write down every single time that I threw out the bomb. My mom is not going to be happy hearing all these beeps. Let's just buy cars for the whole family. Let's just have a fleet. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Action Detrimental, Episode 4. I'm Denny Hamlin, driver the number 11 FedEx Camry, Sport Clips Camry for Joe Gibbs Racing. And uh, at my co-host, Jared Allen. Not the Jared Allen. The second Jared Allen. The second Jared Allen. Uh, Mr. Social, Purple Vest Guy. You see him around me all the time. He's taking pictures, uh, doing all that cool shit on my Instagram and and Twitter. So yeah, uh, pretty making much. all those. I mean, how many how many great photo ops did you get with these mountains with snow on it and all that this weekend in a, California? A couple. This is Fontana. Is I said it today. I think Fontana is the most picturesque track. Well, was the most picturesque track was. on the circuit. <laughs> uh, because if you're standing, if you're in turn four, you know, you get you guys coming through three and four and the mountains in the background. And like you said, today they're covered in snow. It um, was awesome. Yeah. And the clouds opened up. It was good. I mean, it supposedly before the weekend started, they said that the, the mountains right on the other side of the track were supposed to get like a hundred inches. Yeah. So that's like 8.1 feet, something like that. Yeah. hundred divided like, by 12. That's <laughs> eight feet. <laughs> Your snow guys, uh, Ryan Bowers, I think they tried to go snowboarding and they couldn't get up the mountain because all the roads were closed. Yeah, I mean, that I don't even know. If you get eight feet in two days, that's unskiable snowboard weather anyway. Like, it, if you get that much, that means you can't see two foot in front of you. I mean, forget the fact that you're going to take one step and, and go under. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that's, that's white out, black out. Can't see anything. So, yeah, it was cold, California. Yeah, we sat in, in the bus. Well, I sat in the bus for greater part of uh, two days. I, I I came out there early because we were unveiling Tyler, Tyler Reddick's car uh, in Monster. And so, yeah, I was out there. Uh, not a good week to go early. Uh, it was freezing. It, it was so cold and rain all week. We didn't get any practice. You said before we even landed in Fontana, guys, we got to figure out something to do because well, I can't sit in the bus for the next two days. On, so I, I, I go up to the, my pilots and I'm saying, okay, tell me where the nearest 70-degree weather is. Like just in case this thing starts, you know, the downpour happens and there's no end yeah. in sight, tell me what direction I need to, to turn this plane to go to 70 degree weather. And so the bad part is it was like an hour away. Like there was nowhere even remotely close. We, we the, the next, the best option actually was Mexico. Yeah, they <laughs> say we can go to Mexico down here or actually we can go back yeah. home because at back home it was 70 degrees. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've, I've done some crazy in my day. We'll, we'll, we'll get into this in later episodes and, and, and do some storytelling, but I've, I'm not shy about leaving my current location during a race weekend and going somewhere better and then coming back and, and racing. I did it mostly when I was in my younger years and I was crazy and, uh, 
but yeah, we'll we'll talk about it in other episodes. That that might be a good dear Denny question. Yeah. So we can get into for this one though. What what, what did we do for Friday and Saturday? I want yeah. you to bring this in because I I know I'm I know where you're trying to go with yep. this. So so Jared is trying to gloat basically about beating me in bowling, and you know. I, first of all, it doesn't count because it's not regulation. The lanes were not regulation. The balls had four-pound chunks out of them, and the and the lanes had no oil. So any decent bowler spins the ball right to to hit the the head pin at the correct angle to knock down all the pins. And by the way, here's how how you know bush league this this place was the pins were held on by string on top there was no machine like i don't know if there was just some some puppet master up there like okay well they they got three pin. we never had a six pin the whole time by the way right, right. so it was it was bad we we our scores were terrible i you know for the record uh during valentine's day uh i took the kids to uh frankie's fun park in charlotte bowled a 213 my last bowling. So I come in there with my chest up. I'm like, y'all want to bowl? All right, bring that. <laughs> and then I bowl like 65, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't spin it. And th- it's just, it's not regulation. It doesn't count. Like, and then we're the next night we're trying to find like a real legit league. And then they said, no, it's all full. We're actually shutting down the night for the night because we have too, too much going on. So we didn't do that. We did an escape room. Uh, myself, you, uh, Austin, uh, Ty Gibbs, Kyle Larson, uh, Noah, Nico, Nico, yeah, same thing. <laughs> um, and we we didn't get out, right? I mean, we would not have got out without help, first of all. But yeah. we were five minutes late on the clock. You got one hour to get out of there. We spent too long on the intro part of the the weekend, right? Like it, we. We did escape. We've done escape rooms before, like this group. So, this was definitely one of the nicer escape rooms. Uh, it was in uh, Rancho, Rancho Cucamonga, the coolest right. town name in the United States. Yeah, and it's amazing, like how much stuff has grown up around that racetrack. Because to me, it's like Kansas, like all these new restaurants and everything. The the old hibachi place I, I've been going to for the last fifteen years. Uh, we're sitting there. That there's nobody in sight. This place is is surely not going to be in business by the time we got back. But they were like, uh, we're not coming back anyway, Denny. So it's officially retired. So I'm like, good. We're never coming back here. It, it, they've got great restaurants, uh, good shopping around the racetrack, which is probably why it's worth half a billy. Anyway, it was a, it, you know, it was a fun weekend. I was so happy that we got the race in today. By the way, it's tonight, people. It's uh. 9:30. We are in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh yeah, this is not the studio. This I feel like the people watching on YouTube probably already figured that out. But if you're not watching on YouTube and you're listening to Mar- Monday, right? So, oh, so we're not live, right? No, we're not live. No. Okay, but good. People are gonna hear this is yeah, Sunday y'all have night. Have to give me time for edits. They're I, gonna hear this probably by the time before we okay. wake up tomorrow. Yeah. So for those who are listening, we have a nice fire behind us. We have a fern. It's two guys between one fern. So. uh yeah, we we got a little relaxed set here. I'm on location in Scottsdale. Plan on being here for the next two weeks. Um, it's um, I, I came out here thinking, well, the weather's going to be 80 degrees like it normally should be, and so 
I just want to take some time and play golf and relax and the season's starting to get into swing so like just chill out but uh yeah it's it's freezing here too so I don't know what's going on the weather's been terrible North Carolina's actually pretty nice I hear uh but we did get the race in today uh so happy about that uh did not want to be in rainy cold Ontario any longer uh I've been there for four days to begin with but uh, really surprised that the track had no weepers. And those people that do not know what weepers are, that is, the track is basically crying. So it fills up with water, and the track has cracks in it, right? So all the water goes down in those cracks, and it gets underneath the asphalt, and it, it goes to the place of least resistance when it's done raining, which is back up. So um, we've seen a lot of racetracks where there, there's tons of pressure that builds under the racetracks when it gets a lot of rain. And... I know that they were taking saws to the to the surface, you know, for the last two days trying to get all the water out of it. But I was, the the crew did an amazing job. Uh, the track crew did an amazing job getting that track ready. Like there was no slipping and sliding whatsoever. Like they they had that track ready, prepped, and we were on time. So that was cool. What was your overall reaction of the race? Or for a Fontana race, I feel like it was very calm yeah. for the most part other than i mean ironically i say it was calm but it did have the largest wreck in track history oh really yeah the restart wreck the restart wreck yeah yeah there was there were some games going on in the front row i you know i probably jumped a little early on joey uh because he i i need to look at the data but i think he's one of those guys that like will hit the throttle like to make a noise but it won't go anywhere and he'll get you to go, and then as soon as you start slowing down, he'll then jump. So um, he was in control of the restart, so let's just blame him for this one. Well, he did get blamed on, on TV. Oh, he did. But not not that it was his fault, no, right? Yeah, just, I mean, a lot of The whole is, line came up behind him, and then before you know it, they're, they're out of space. Yeah, this year out. the restart zone has been expanded yep. to double the size to give the leader more of an advantage because um, – I don't know that really any of the drivers were complaining about it, but that's what NASCAR said is that we were complaining about it, but I really don't know that we were complaining about it. But it's longer now. And so he just said, hey, I went later in the zone, and people behind me were anticipating I was going, and I just wasn't going because I was waiting on them to not anticipate. So uh, he has the right to do that, and so it, it was a wreck. It took out the 45. That stunk. Uh, Reddick's had a bad go of it the last – two weeks between Xfinity uh, I saw he he got into he got squeezed in the wall there uh, here just a few hours ago and then the cup race he got he went through the grass tore up his car I noticed after the race there was a ton of tore up splitters and I think both the 2311 cars um, had splitter problems but it's, I saw a lot of cars my car my car had splitter torn up I think the further you were back in the pack the more your front end was absolutely sandblasted and it sandblasted the front noses so much that the splitters started to separate the leading edge of it started to separate and and I saw a picture of Bubba's car where the the bottom splitter had fallen down to the ground so I mean that's obviously such a detriment to performance. So he was yeah. running well, and then all of a sudden he just disappeared. Yeah, and I didn't, didn't know what, what went on. Uh, but yeah, the the track was a mess to get going, uh, to say the least. It was, you know, they did the best they could, but 
but the problem is this racetrack hasn't been paved in like 30 years um, and will never be paved again. But so when they're drying the track, they've got all these jet dryers and all this stuff that is blowing hot air like a hairdryer really hard. Well, this track has a lot of rocks in it. The, the asphalt itself has got a big rock mixture in it. New asphalt that gets paved in today's tracks have a lot of polymers and plastics and all that stuff in it. It doesn't wear tires as nearly as bad, which is why you can buy like 50,000 mile tires nowadays. Not, not, not that the tires are that much better, which they are, but the roads are a lot better than what they used to be. So um, I saw that the track just had a bunch of dust and like I couldn't see after five laps and I'm in, you know, running 10th and I couldn't see anything because of all the dust that, uh, that you saw earlier in the race. So uh, that was a mess, but at least we had no weepers. We didn't have practice again. We're yet to have a practice session in 2023. Um, that was a factor, I guess. I mean, maybe Kyle Larson's team would have found, uh, or, you know, electrical issue would have came to them sooner. Uh, we saw in qualifying at Daytona 500 that uh, some guys had trouble qualifying, you know, because they hadn't hit the racetrack yet. So it is paying its price to those who are not totally prepared. But, you know, then again, I don't know that many sports have no practice, no, no testing or anything like that before they go try to put on a show. This practice, though, is not to the fault of NASCAR, right? No. Right. Uh -uh. You lose Friday, you lose Saturday. I mean, could you really practice this morning? I mean, yeah, really I don't know. It, right? I mean, you really can't fix it, to be honest with you. Um, not when it's raining. I mean, I, I couldn't believe we got on the racetrack. I mean, we have a TV window. We're trying to make that. It's on the big Fox, so it, that's an important window. So we did what we came here to do. Put on a show, 400 miles. Felt like felt like a really long time, by the way. It did. It did. It I did, remember right? thinking in stage one, I was outside the track taking photos of those mountains that you talked about and uh, a couple of cautions thinking like, are we still in stage one? It's like, yeah, we, we're still in stage one. Yeah. It, it, it took a while for sure. And then there were some quick wrecks and whatnot. Um, but Kyle Busch uh, won. And, and boy, I tell you, the old fans have, are having a heyday with the JGR uh, Twitter right now. See, we told you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I have to just, people have to understand that Joe Gibbs wanted to sign Kyle Busch. They really tried, and they gave him a very, very good offer, but he did not want to take it and ended up taking probably a lot less uh, because he had ran out of options uh, at, at, at RCR. Uh, but you know, he's doing all the right things right now. That's for sure. I mean, listen, uh, Rick Hendrick did not let go of Kyle Busch because he didn't think he was talented, right? There was there was some baggage, and, and he did some things that rubbed Mr. H wrong, and they moved on. And I think that, um, you know, the Kyle Busch fans should be grateful of, of Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, they got Kyle 50-some of his wins, right? And they provided him great equipment. Um, but that relationship just had run its course, unfortunately. You know, when um, they always say that, like, winning makes everything easy, right? It covers up things. And, and when you when you do win, I think that, you know, teams are willing to put up with a whole lot of other stuff. Um, but 
you know, when it got to the point where, you know, it wasn't winning as much, there was not a person in the garage that thought that it was, you know, well, Cobbush is just not the driver he once was. We all know he is, especially a motivated Cobbush, which that's, that's, there's two very different things. Like just the, the ticked off Cobbush and, and the one that's, you know, kind of angry with, with people and he's frustrated and then the one that's motivated is two totally different guys, and you really kind of can see that on the racetrack as well. And I think he's he's ultra-motivated right now. I think this is a reset for him, and he's resetting with a team that's very good, as we're seeing, right? Uh, that eight team, uh, Randall, and, and that team, is they're fast. They were the fastest car last year, and they definitely had the fastest car this year. That's for sure. I mean, I thought that the one – for the first part of the race, probably showed the most strength, especially on the short run, but the H just kind of ran them down, um, and and he runs that track so well. He, it's it's amazing. But, yeah, I mean, I see y'all are dragging JGR, and I, and I wish, you know, even if I'm unbiased here, like, you know, this is just this was a tough situation where, um, you know, I think that it was a situation where, they wanted him back. They lost a ton. You know, that company would cease to exist if they won, if they had to pay Kyle what he was demanding, especially after losing, uh, you know, Mars. Like it just would be impossible. You know, it would it would it would be a detriment to all the JGR teams if 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 he had to said, all right, well you have to pay me this, which is what he said, or else I'm leaving. They, they, they had to make a business decision to stay in business, right? And so um, it's unfortunate. Kyle was a great teammate. I, I mentioned it last week on the pod that, you know, he's he is such an, uh, a fair racer on the racetrack. Um, you know, he, he, he just he's, – he's fast and he's extremely skilled, as we know and we see. I mean, he's starting to put himself – in the top, in my mind, in the top five consideration for greatest of all time. I mean, I, I just feel like 61 wins, I think he has now, in today's age where there's more than five cars on the lead lap <laughs> than, than what it used to be, um, it's harder to win now than it was back in the day. And for him to have 60 wins, I'm telling you, that's like 160 wins from 1960 to 1990 it, it really is so um he's accomplishing a lot he's done it now two races into um this relationship with rcr um you know we always talk about too and, and this has been said for many times about is this a new kyle bush people say that because <laughs> not it's it's not really an endearing thing like is this a new kyle because you know, at times, you know, he, he is difficult to work with when things aren't going well. I think when things are going well, like they have the last three weeks, you're going to get the best Kyle Busch that you've ever seen. He's out doing things with his team guys, it looks like. You know, they're very, you know, they're showing that off. That's great. I mean, I know that RCR group in general, ever since I've been in the sport, that's been a very tight-knit group because they're, they are – they're in a different place than Charlotte, right? I mean, they're an hour and a half north, so they don't really pull from the same mechanics that what the other teams do in the Charlotte area. So everyone that kind of works at RCR is probably based somewhat up there in Welcome. Yep. 
So they do a lot together anyway, and hopefully that's, you know, turning a new leaf with Kyle, and he's seeing that, like, um, you know, when you when you really embrace this family More atmosphere. camaraderie with his team. Yeah, than maybe yeah, yeah. He had and listen, he, I'm not saying he didn't have it before, but again, it's when you're winning, it's easy to do those things, yes. right? It's yes. when you're struggling, it's 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 easy to just you know mother everyone, right? So, I just think that uh, you know, hopefully, this is a a, a tur- him turning the page for sure. I think that RCR got a great talent, like I said, maybe top five of all time. Um, and and just a great move by them. Chevrolets dominated. Um, I I don't think that that's you know too much of a surprise. So with that said, are you surprised that Kyle is off to this start with this new surprise? Team? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think if you talk to people within the sport, RCR has one of the best, probably I'm gonna say probably the best engine in the series. Over Hendrick. I mean, it's it's very – many, many times they go on a dyno. RCR is P1. Like, they their engine department is right – they're on time. So, you mix a really good car with a good team mm-hmm. and a, good and a great engine and a great driver, guess what? You're going to win. And and that's what they're doing right now. So, uh, you know, props to them. You know, he, he dominated the last part of the race. Um, I mean, he was probably 10, 15 car lengths in front of me when he pitted on the last stop. I was running fourth. Uh, we chose to go long on that strategy. I don't know if that was right or wrong. We lost by 13 is that seconds. What your, is that what your play call was over the radio? That it was yeah, yeah, those long. are code words. So, yep. you know, like bass or bass. he was mentioning uh, uh, like Mexican food. Like, those are all code words for either we're going to pit or we're going to stay. Um, I would say, you know, I don't know that really anyone really cares what we're doing, but uh, all the teams kind of have code words like that. But, um, yeah, it's cool. This, is, this isn't this is – I saw Chase Elliott mention after the race in an interview that, like, uh, to, to Fox, he's like, well, are you surprised? Like, why are you guys surprised that he's got instant success? Like, He's a great driver. We all knew he was a great driver, right? Um, I think it's the overall pre-next-gen car, right? RCR was getting one, maybe two wins a year as a team. Last year, Redick won a handful. Mm -hmm. So I think just the question mark was, you know, how is RCR going to perform as a whole with Kyle in the car now? I think that question's question's been answered. It's fair, but I think that everybody thought that he was going to He's going to bring something to the table, and he's going to make them better, right? For I sure. Mean, he's going to make them better, 100%. Yeah. But I mean, how much a team better? that was already good, by the way. He's going to make them better. So I, I think, again, you pair a great driver with those things I just talked about, and, and you're going to have a potent combination. So, um, no, it, it, it's good for them. It's, you know, in the long haul, you know, I think likely JGR has someone that there's, they're going to be happy with for the next 10 to 15 years as well in Ty Gibbs. So um, we, we saw Hendrick Motorsports go through a reset. Um, I think people were kind of down on them uh, probably four to five years ago-ish. Uh, they, they, the veterans left, the Dale Juniors retired, the Jeff Gordons retired, the Jimmy Johnsons retired, and they brought in a young group. And, and that group, didn't have instant success. I think they went through about a year of like 
struggles for Hendrick Motorsports. Struggles, right? But it in the long term, it, it it paid off for him, and those drivers became you know you know good, great competitors of our sport and guys that win races. So uh, I don't think anyone would argue that they've got one of the best lineups. And but that's the same lineup that people were questioning uh, just a few years ago. So um, it was uh it was cool. I mean, I wonder. I, I wonder, like, where's AD at? Is he going to put this? a spotlight on AD? You would think, right? I mean, I, I'm just let me just think out loud here. The last four wins at RCR with a two car team has been your teammate, and the, that teammate has changed, right? So, um, I, you got to think that this has got to be a measuring stick for AD to to like, you know, here's here's what the team's capable of this is what I need to get out of myself and surely he's going to learn some things yep. a top, top 10 finish today for Austin by the way yeah he finished I, ninth. listen that the kid can grind himself to top 10s he, he does really really good at, at, at that I mean the only person better at that is probably Kevin Harvick that I've seen that even on their bad days they find a way to finish in the top 10 um, I think I saw a crazy stat with Harvick that was like you know just his consistency of always running well um, he didn't always have a fast car, but he found a way to to make it really good or, or finish the best he could with it. But yeah, you you got to think AD's kind of you know he's putting on a smile. You know, I see him in the interview. Oh, I'm happy for him. Happy for him. Hey, glass be great. I, I was gonna push you. him to the win. I was gonna yeah, push him to the win. Yeah, that shit won't last long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not one competitor on the racetrack that is happy that their teammate outruns them. There, there's just, I mean, you can't be because, oh my gosh. And I see, I, I, I must read Twitter too much. People think that like, oh, you guys gave Kyle's the equipment last year. I'm like, what are you talking about? The car that he raced in Dover was probably the car that we raced three weeks beforehand. The car I won this track with, the one he probably finished 20th with, you know, the week before, like, we all, there is no, you know, here's Kyle's car and here's Denny's car. It's like, they they go in a pool and we just scatter them all around and we somehow just, here's your car and here's that person's car. They're all the same. The only thing different with cars nowadays is what does the driver tell the crew chief information-wise to make them put a better setup under it that, that fits their style. So, and, you know, I've driven a lot of Kyle's cars during tests at JGR, and I, I can't believe how tight he runs a race car. Now, I run mine on the tighter side as well. There's you that are novices here. Tight means the front end won't turn. So you go into a corner. If you're driving too fast, your your front end will hit the wall first. If the car is too loose, the back end hits the wall first. So he he his car is planted in, in the back. Like, he has – a lot. He's his cars are very very tight, and he finds a way to make tons of speed with them. So another best person that did that was Jeff Gordon. He ran a really tight race car, and he won a boatload of races. So um, they're making it work. So when your um, when your teammate is performing really well, right? And and what does that? In what way does it motivate you like to run better? Are you wanting them to? perform less so that they come <laughs> down to your level no or like how are, i don't know you just want to beat them you want to beat them they're in the same equipment you're in so like i can tell you this the jgr is a four car team 
if I wasn't the top JGR car, at least, now this is my expectations, right? You know, because I believe in myself, right? Yeah. If I'm not the highest finishing JGR car, at least 10 of those 36 races, then I need to look in the mirror and say, like, you got, you got, pro you know, you got to get better. Right. Well, you so are you, are you studying like more? Like, if my, if my teammate wins nine races and I win one, that's a me problem, you know? And right. it's happened. I mean, it, it's happened. I've had years where I've been probably four wins away from the highest teammate. But it did force me to look at myself and say, well, how can I get better? What are they doing in the same exact equipment yep. that is that is better? And And it's more similar. The equipment is more similar than it's ever been. So even back in the day, you had crew chiefs that would set up their, not only set up their cars different, they would build the bodies different on their cars because it would, that's, that's just what they wanted to do. You know, my crew chief says, well, I want my C post cut this way or that way. And the other one says, well, I would like my car built this way, you know, and that's not around nowadays. Everyone's car is the same. So are you just in this and more studying more to, to overcome that? Yeah, but I, I think it's I, I'm more looking at my teammates' um, data to see like because I know that we're we had the same engine, we have the same body, and th you know there's there's three things that are different, right? The big components: the engine, the body, the driver, and so those are the things that you know the driver's the only thing that's different between me and my teammates. So I need that's where I can get the most useful information is from them. Got it. What happens with Auto Club? now right the track's been or part of the track's been sold um there's no plans to come back here will it be reconfigured to a short short track potentially i think it's done I, it's just a it's just a guess i have no facts for that that thought but i i feel like we're done there um by the way i want to give a huge shout out to the fans sold out Final race, they sold out. And for the last few races there, the fans have come out in huge numbers. And I can tell you this, I love racing, but there is no way I would sit my ass in those grandstands in 40-degree weather for four hours and, and watch. But they did. And it just it's a great thing to see Southern California come out and support that racetrack uh, like they have, especially the last few years. So shout-out to all the fans in California. But it says that they, you know – sold 80% of the land or something like that or you know for 544 million um congratulations NASCAR that's <laughs> I mean guys we can't fault them for making a really <laughs> good business deal um I guess there's a balance there of like this is a market that you said is important to you so why are you leaving it? Um, hopefully that money gets just used to reinvesting into other racetracks. I mean, that's what we hope. As, well, surely as the goal is not to leave the L.A. market altogether, right? you got to find a, a solution I, to that we can't somewhere. Run, we can't run that Coliseum in a points race. So then what do you do? I don't know. Irwindale got sold too, I think, which is near L.A., even closer to L.A., it's just the, the land is just so valuable. I, I just don't know what you do. You know, we go to Sonoma. That doesn't count. That's not 
Uh, yeah, Southern California. Really. I don't Are you know. running Just like build a Long track Beach in San or Diego? Something? I don't, don't don't say Long Beach. We don't need another stupid ass road course. It's uh, no, we've got enough of those. So we're done with that. You got to find a solution elsewhere. You would think. You would think that they're going to find some sort of solution. I just hope it's not running the Coliseum as a points race because it's just. It, I just don't think that that's a feasible option. But but I don't know. We'll see. Um, Hopefully, we do come back. I think it is an important market for sure. Um, you know, when, when the deal got – when this track originally got purchased from Roger Penske, I think it was like for $600 million, but they got Nazareth, they got Homestead, they got Michigan, and California. And you so, said Rockingham was in there too. Oh, yeah, and we Rockingham. Talked about it earlier, yeah. So, NASCAR basically got their money back and got – three tracks for free, <laughs> for free. but well, they got all the tracks right they got all these tracks and they sold yeah. 70% of 80% of the land yeah. of this one track yeah so I, I will say this on the opti- let, let's be optimistic for a second they did say that when people said oh there's only 89 acres you can't there's no way you can do a track and parking I think uh, Adam Stern or somebody or Bob Pockers put out the picture of they plan on if they build the track leasing the parking lot from the people that they sold the land to. So they can do it. I think they, they have drawings for it, certainly. Um, it's just a matter of pulling the trigger. Pull the trigger. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I certainly, um, you know, sad to see that racetrack go. Uh, it was just getting to its prime. It had fun races. The next-gen car raced perfectly around around that racetrack because it had so much drag down the straightaways that you you could dra- you could draft pretty big, and then you could spread out all over the corners in different lines, um, you know. But uh, I think that um, you know it's uh, we start a new chapter, and you never know where this leads, right? I mean, this is now a date that is wide open, so. Maybe we end up going to somewhere that we always hoped we would go, right? And maybe that we invest in another racetrack and put money into it that you know needs fixing up. So uh, you know, don't don't get too you know been out of shape about this. I'm sure NASCAR's got a plan for sure. Yeah, I I got a feeling that it's Coliseum points race. I got a feeling your clash next year is elsewhere, and the LA Coliseum is part of this West Coast swing, at least in the mm-hmm. in the meantime. That's right. just a well, just a thought. Yeah, that that really drags me down. But <laughs> well, this will drag you up. We're starting a new segment. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we wanna ask. Dear Danny, we need answers and we need them fast. We tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Now we're calling on you, cause you're our only hope. This ain't the racetrack, so maybe you won't choke. Fan sent questions on Twitter and Instagram to ask you. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into it. We'll yeah, into so the Dear Denny started from basically a guy making a song dragging me yes. when I was on Door Bumper Clear and, you know, basically just insulted me for, the, for two straight minutes in a song. And I thought it was fantastic. And so... Um, what do you got for me? First one, have you ever been offered to drive for another team 
If so, who and what was the offer and when? Ooh, what was the offer? Uh, the answer is yes. So since I, I don't know how many people know this, but I signed with, G, with uh, JGR in 2004. This was about the time that me and Dale Jr. started a friendship from racing online together. And I actually went to the Daytona 500 in 2004 to uh, be a guest of his. And he had me staying with Martin Truex, oddly enough, uh, in a little townhouse and with Josh Snyder, a few of his other buddies. And, um, you know, and, and I signed my development deal with JGR that weekend. And so 2004, nothing really happened other than I ran a couple truck races. Um, and then I, I ran a Darlington Xfinity race after begging JGR to, like, put me in something. Um, and so they did. That got me my ride in 2005. 2005, I run probably four to five months into that season. Dale Jr. brings me over to his house, and he says, you know, you really need to get out of that 20 car. I'm like, why is that? He's like, well, just no one's really run good in that because at the time Mike Bliss had, had run it. And, and it, this was before the 20 car in Xfinity really was winning a lot of races. You know, that, that didn't happen until years down the road. Um, and so, like, you know, I, I think there's better opportunities out there. It's like, okay. He's like, you know, I, I think you should come drive for us at DEI uh, in the 15 Napa car. Hmm. Yeah. And so, so that was my 2004? This was 2004. That's okay. correct. And so I, I think that they were looking to make a move uh, there. And so I remember telling Dale that, you know, I'm not ready for Cup. I, I, I know – you know, I appreciate the flattery. Again, t in today's day and age, I couldn't got in that car fast enough. Like, everyone's taking every opportunity they can. But back then, there was well-funded rides, and there was teams that had sponsors, and they were looking for the best drivers possible, right? And so I told him, I says, I'm not ready to make it in the Cup Series. Like, I'm, I, I barely can run top five in Xfinity right now. Like, I, I just came out of a late model you know, six months ago. So I, I just, I'm in over my head to begin with. I need to get my feet under me. Let me run a year of Xfinity, see how I do. Let me run one more year and then I'll be ready for cup. Give me two years in Xfinity and give me the same offer again. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, yeah, I don't know if we can wait that long. And so I go on and I, uh, I, I progress another two months and I start running a little bit better. We were in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, gosh, I had a bar somewhere. And Elliot Sadler cornered me. And he says, hey, um, what's your deal with JGR? I says, well, I, you know, I'm under contract running this Xfinity deal. And, you know, right now that's all I've got. And nothing's really, I, I, you know, I want to run Xfinity for two years and then run Cup. He's like, well, we're, we're looking for somebody for the uh, 88 car to take over for Dale Jarrett. I'm like, well, Elliot, I just had this conversation with <laughs> Dale Jr. I, I'm not ready yet. Like, I just don't feel ready yet. And and he says, uh, all right, well, you know, I'm telling you, I, he, he told me a number offer. He says, they'll pay you this. And at the time, it was a Man, lot of money. That seems hard to pass I up know, for someone. I know, I know. But at the time, I couldn't do, you know, listen, I was under contract with JGR anyway. 
but I just, I guess I was confident enough that like I was going to get my shot at JGR in due time. Well, fast forward about a month later, I read online basically that Leffler got fired and that me and JJ Yaley are going to share the 11 FedEx Cup car for the from September to November. So for the last 14 races. Well, I just told these two other <laughs> guys and teams that like I was not ready for Cup and come to find out I'm about to make my very first start 3 weeks from now. And so I just was like super nervous about it. I didn't think that I was ready, but there was something about the high horsepower of those cars and the cup cars that just, it suited me. I, I was better in cup than I was in, in, in Xfinity. Now, given JGR at the time, they had hit on like a cool bound setup. A cool bound means basically they got their nose lower to the ground than any other of the race teams. And Tony Stewart was kicking everyone's ass like 2004, 2005. And so I got in those cars and I was fast in them because they had one of the fastest cars and, and I just, I, I, I excelled, right? I, I got a pole, finished in the top 10 um, and it got me my ride in 2000. You know, Joe told me, yeah, you're going to run full-time 2006 after the audition. So the rest was history, but that was the only, to answer your question, very long-winded storytelling here, but that was the only time I entertained uh, other offers, which I really didn't entertain them, I guess. I just, I was flattered by them, but, you know, looking back on it, it was just like, wow, well, those two companies are no longer in business, and <laughs> my, I've won, 48, I've won 48 races at, uh, at JGR, so I think with I made the, the right decision. With the exact same sponsor. Second question, this one comes from Matt Busa, and actually... Um, Matt Busa, the Coca-Cola e-racing driver, correct. right? That's okay. correct. Nice. This one kind of segues into, or the last question kind of segues in, into this one, is how much have drivers tried to push NASCAR behind the scenes to give back the high horsepower? Oh, every single one of them. But they need to give up the ghosts. Every driver, stop asking NASCAR for more. They're not going to give it to you. We, we're, this is not the direction NASCAR wants to go. From the top down, they don't want more horsepower because it costs more money. Because the te the... This is the cost cutting that, that goes into, and it's the balance that we really need to l think about whether this is the right thing or not. But we will not go back to higher horsepower. If anything, they will go the other way and make the engines even less powerful because they want them to run them even more races, maybe three races, because that cuts the engine bill down for the teams that, that pay for engines and by NASCAR's eyes, well, that cuts your cost. So that's good. So it will never happen. I think we're going to continue to just suppress the horsepower down and down and down. Um, I'm not saying that's the right thing by any means because I'm on the same side as the drivers that we need horsepower back to make these cars a little more uncontrollable. Um, we've got a wider tire and less horsepower than we've ever, ever had. But unfortunately, everyone on online on twitter on instagram give it up they, we will never see big horsepower back again unless unless there's some sort of hybrid technology that gives us extra horsepower but it won't be from the combustion combustion engine um they're going to want to keep keep the cost down and and keep pushing that down so um that's that's where we're going with it i, I have i have heard rumors however 
that NASCAR is exploring grooved tires. Grooved tires. So that is a way, it's actually a, it's, pre, it's actually pretty smart. I mean, I know that Formula One went down this route at one point, but it is a way to make us be a little bit more out of control. And if you want to, I remember talking to Christopher Bell at our JGR meeting. He says, you know, he's asking Andy Atiardi, hey, is there any way after we did this, you know, short track package where taking down forces, right? Is there any way we can add power? And I'm like, Christopher, stop asking. Andy, tell him the truth. He'll never get it. He's like, not going to get it. So I said, the only way to, to make it to where it feels like more horsepower is to take grip away. So you either have to take a bunch of downforce off or you have to take tire off the racetrack. And I think the wheels are starting to turn in motion to test groove tires to take some of that contact patch off the road. So, I mean, trust me, if we were on bicycle tires, it would feel like these 650 horsepower engines were like 2,000 because we couldn't we couldn't touch the gas, we couldn't get the power down. So, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because it, it you know it might be an alternative to get us back out of control. Looking ahead to uh, Las Vegas, a track that uh, you used to hate. I did. I used to hate that racetrack because I was so bad at it. But Chris Gabehart and my team have found something that has uh, tickled my fancy at that racetrack, and we've been super strong there. However, uh, I have PTSD looking back at that race from one year ago because I had a very, very fast car, and I missed shift because I forgot that it's not an H pattern anymore. So I remember coming off pit road and going from second to first because I thought I had to go up to go to third. So, and it was over. So yeah, Vegas has been a good one for us. Um, you know, I think that this is going to be a racetrack where you're probably going to see the same cast of characters from California run well at Vegas. I mean, looking at this weekend, like the track house cars were so fast. I mean, Daniel put together one of his best races for sure. Um, even though he had a, I think he had a speeding penalty or some sort of penalty, like he was fast enough that he, he, he got back through the pack. I think he pitted one time, had fresher tires and, and kind of got his track position back that way, but he still, his car was super fast. We saw how fast the one was, um, winning the stages and, um, I just think that you know you're going to see the same guys up front. Um, oh, which reminds me, I need to give a shout out to Corey LaJoy. Mr. Penny uh, ran really, really well. He, I think he finished like 10th or 14th in the first two stages, and then finished in the teens, mid-teens. Um, that's really, really good for them and that team. I mean, I, I can't state that enough. They, he's you know Daytona. I mean, he's been getting the most out of that that car for sure. And, and a lot of times, you know, we hear him. I think Corey at times has the little bit of the poor me, you know, story that that he'll 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 tell you. But it, it is warranted a lot of times. Like I know how that team kind of operates. They're 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 trying to make it. They're grinders, and a lot of times he's got the handcuffs on him. And they're like, hey, we just need you can't wreck this weekend. So. You know, don't finish last, but just don't wreck. 
That's all we care about, right? Is they're trying to build that program up, and sometimes you just you not you can't afford to wreck cars to build it up. And so uh, many races, like when we get those super speedways, they they let them go. And he's he's proven it at, at Atlanta uh, that you know he was a contender to win there last year before Elliott pulled the block on him. And then I remember at Daytona, I mean, I got a bunch of pushes from him. He drove, he was carrying the inside line for a while. Uh, so Corey's doing a great job. And, um, yeah, just want to give him a thumbs up for this weekend. Great run. Uh, anything you're looking forward to about Vegas, maybe on or off the racetrack? Because you, you got some friends coming in this weekend. I do, yep. Uh, got Ronnie Hats, my buddy, if you followed my Instagram, uh, from – Nashville, uh, Ronnie and Charlie are going to come out this weekend. Um, we we have fun. We you know go out there. We uh, going to stay at Resorts World. That was a, a a change for us last year. It was the first time I stayed there. I liked it. It was very cool. It's big. It's got great restaurants there. Um, yeah. So I, you know I don't know. We'll probably just go to some shows. Maybe Celine Dion and be in bed by eight thirty most nights. Got it. Got it. Well, that doesn't sound like it'll be very yeah. fun. Uh, social media experience then i mean i mean last year (laughs) by the way every time a great show is in town they're like oh he's performing on saturday night in in vegas it's like why are you telling me he's not going to go on till 3 40 in the morning like yeah waiting for travis scott to come on (laughs) last year drake a few years before that i mean the worst those are some late nights man the worst was 50 cent uh, oh, that was the worst. I think it was yeah, we went and watched something. Yeah, no, at Dre's. Dre's. Yeah, Dre's. he came on. He must have played four songs. Not 20. many. He <laughs> had 45 or 50 minutes on his clock because we were the first booth or, um, yeah. to the left of the stage. So you could see his time clock on the stage. So he knows how long he's scheduled to play for. I think it might have been 45, 50 minutes. He went off stage with 30 minutes left, and the clock just continued to tick, and he never came back. <laughs> no. <laughs> this I, is, I think, at 3 in the morning, after we already waited four hours to see him. Yeah. I, I think those guys uh, demand a duffel bag full of cash, and once you give them that, it's uh, you're going to get what you get. But yep. No, nah, it's cool. Uh, I, I, I love Vegas. I mean, uh, I, I'm not afraid to hit the tables there. That's fun. Um Never, I never gamble enough to where I get emotional, though. I just, you know, if you if you are, if you go to Vegas or you, you know, you do sports betting, whatever you might do, if if you lose your bet, and then you're gonna go and and pout and be in a bad mood and just like sulk, like you've bet too much money. You should not bet that much. Um, so I don't get emotionally attached to the money because I know it's easy come, easy go. I've I've seen it come in. I've seen it go out. So um, hopefully we're gonna win though. We we uh we won a big run there at, at Resorts World last year. It, the tables were good to me, which is probably why I'm going back. So uh, so we're gonna spend the week here in Scottsdale. Hopefully I'm gonna get some golf in. Um, hopefully this weather heats up a little more. Got a great house. I like this house. It's got a pickleball court and it's it. got a lot of stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so we're on location for this week, and next week we'll be here as well before we head back home. So, right? That's correct. Yes. yes. This week here to Las Vegas this weekend, Phoenix the following weekend, and then head home. You know, I just realized this this podcast is going to give you potentially a heck of an out if you do win because you won Vegas in 
what was it, 2021? Mm-hmm. And Ron and Charlie came out. Right. And Ron gave you the whole spiel. I don't know how many more days I'm going to be here. Yeah. We got to stay the night. We got to, you know, go to a nightclub, blah, blah, blah. So now if you do win and you don't want to stay, you're like, Ron, I got this yeah. podcast to do. We have to we have to get back to Scottsdale. What's the initials on Ron's new hat? Because it, those of you who don't know, you've seen the LFGDH. LFGDH. We, we, we rode those for, for a few years, right? That's let's go DH. This year, he's like, you know, <laughs> it's funny in Nashville. <laughs> he had a bottle of tequila that he was going to somehow, why he was trying to smuggle it on a private plane, I have no idea. But he put it in his suitcase, the bottle of tequila <laughs> busted, and it soaked all of his clothes. And he's going through his clothes, and he, 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 he sees a hat, and it's the let's go DH hat, right? And it's, uh, he's like, well, this guy, he can't, he can't win a championship, but we got a lot of great hats, you know? So, so this Ronnie year. Hats was born. Yeah, so, so this year he's got a new one, and it's, give me the initials. But it's, basically it says. I, wait, no, we got the initials. Is, it's because it's a mouthful. I-O-F-Y-D-H. I-O-F-Y-D-H. It's our fucking year, D-H. <laughs> yes. Right? Barely fits on the front of the hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so if you see us hanging out with the uh, with a hat that just got a bunch of letters on it, you'll know what it's about. So, tune in next week. We'll give you the post from uh, Vegas. Yep. We'll see you before closing. Before closing, oh. dirty dirty mo uh, reads. If you want more race reaction, door bumper clear comes out on late Monday night. Um, you got dirty mo dough later in the week for all your. Sports, na- sports betting and NASCAR betting needs. Um, and for this podcast, always be sure to rate, review, and follow. Please rate and review us, people. I'll, I'll sign your hat when, when I see you at the racetrack next. There you go. Five stars, no problem. See you later. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.